And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about high-maintenance females and the men who generously tolerate them. Or go on The Bachelorette to avoid them, because Michelle is special. She's different. She's, like, not like those other girls. The Miami girls. You know what I mean. You all know exactly what I mean. Here to discuss this particular brand of unruly females with us is new friend of the pod, author of Cultish, and co-host of the Sounds Like a Cult podcast, Amanda Montel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I have already so many thoughts. (laughs) Good, good. We're going to get to all of them. All of us, I'm sure, have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this episode, specifically about some men, like maybe Chris S. or Martin or both of them. But look, we'll, we'll get to them. First, <laughs> we have to celebrate Minneapolis because that is where our gang is headed in this episode. This is truly a show about Minneapolis now. The men are leaving Indian Wells. They're going to leave that drama in the resort where it belongs. Martin is so excited to go to the Midwest that he walks out of his room on his hand. Martin is just constantly trying to remind Michelle and us, the viewers at home, that he can do stuff upside down. Yeah, we're like, we get it, Martin. You can do a flip. <laughs> like, it, it gets, the more we see it, the less impressed I am. I can barely do a somersault, so I'm mesmerized. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, meanwhile, has been away from Minnesota for like 17 days, and she's got the shakes. She can't handle it. She's in withdrawal. She needs to be back. And she's so relieved to finally return where she went to school, where she teaches, where she around for basketball tournaments. And like basically everything she's ever done in her life has all happened here. And also her sweet parents who we get to see her reunite with. I love these little like interstitials with her mom and dad. I've said this before, but like they're so sweet. They remind me of my aunts and uncles from in- who are from Minneapolis. I'm just I'm here for like the Minnesota vibes. And Michelle's mom is truly like she gives me, like, cast as a mom in a movie set in the Midwest. The bangs. Like, so, yes. Also, doesn't she look like um, the woman who played Lena Dunham's mom in Girls? Very, yes. very that. Yes. I was like, yet again, we've got a celebrity lookalike mom. I've seen her before. <laughs> and that's exactly what, what I was thinking of. I, like, every time I have, like, a bob, well, I guess it's growing out a little bit, but, like, I get so concerned when my bob like ventures into maybe this is my internalized ageism, but like sometimes <laughs> I get concerned that my bob has like verged into mom territory and then truly no shade with the most fondness. I see a haircut like Michelle's mom and I'm like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> it's just like the platonic ideal of 
the mom look. Yeah. It's just like it's got it all. It's got the little bangs. It's got the little sort of helmet shape over the head <laughs> the and layers. the curls. How was that accomplished? I like. I went to an eighties. I think themed... you have to get it set. Oh, I see. <laughs> like at I was going to say, I went to an eighties themed bat mitzvah the other week, and I was trying to like recreate wow. the eighties texture. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. But I, and I couldn't. <laughs> and I don't know how I would recreate the mom helmet either. But I guess maybe once I turn like. 52 it'll just immediately I think it itself. just yeah I think it just happens your hair texture does change as you age that's true that's true that's true um but also everyone in the 80s had a perm and that's important to remember so she has a nice sit down with her parents and reconnects with with that family that family loving that she needs and she's ready for the guys to get to know who she really is someone from Minnesota that's who she is with amazing parents who are in love and she starts out this journey with the men by meeting them on the Hennepin County Government Center Plaza. I Googled it. I, and your your research sure what it is. skills have reached new depths. <laughs> I Google searched Minneapolis Fountains and that one leaped out at me. And they're just like ready to make small moments with Michelle. And Michelle is like, we're going to begin with a one-on-one date that starts right now with Joe. Hometown hero. And they are yeah. off to Target Field, where the Minnesota Twins play. Again, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about my my dad. I grew up in like more of like the only sport my family cared about was baseball. And again, my dad's from Minneapolis. So it was like the Orioles, because I was from we I lived in Maryland and then I'm from Baltimore. The twins. Oh, I'm from Silver Spring. Oh, that's like oh. Um, fancy DC, Maryland. Yeah, I know we're, we're the the two the two cities, but I, I have a lot of good friends who grew up in the Baltimore area, and I did oh. go to a lot of Orioles games. Uh, Cal Same. Ripken was iconic. Another <laughs> pair of hometown heroes here, exactly. <laughs> Maryland hometown heroes. Catch me eating crab chips. Yeah, <laughs> little old bay like. But this is about Minnesota, not Maryland. Yeah, this is about Minnesota. And it's specifically, it's about all of the sporting venues of Minnesota. All of them. But we begin our tour here at Target Field. She and Joe are immediately very cozy and comfortable. They already have a good connection. They are both in their hometown. They're both feeling very comfortable in their surroundings. They're kissing a lot. And now they're going to get to have truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience Joe has never done this before, walking out onto the field of the baseball diamond of an actual professional baseball team. Michelle gets to throw out the first pitch. Like, that is legit cool. That's a cool thing. And uh, she gets a huge cheer from the crowd. She throws a strike. And so Joe gets a kiss on the kiss can. Yeah. I was like, the reward. Like, they're like, if you accomplish something, Joe gets a reward. <laughs> They're like, if you throw a strike, Joe gets a kiss. That is the patriarchy at work. <laughs> I know. You're like, Michelle again. is the star here. She's just doing the labor. Doing all the work so that Joe can be celebrated. But um, fortunately, she also wants to kiss Joe, so it all works out. And uh, I have to say that strike zone looked pretty generous to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. I could not have gotten it to home plate. So I'm not nitpicking here. I'm very impressed. And this, to me, this could be, like, a whole date. Like, this is a big deal. But it, th- this is just, like, the first of a long tour of stops 
through Michelle's uh, hometown. Next, they head to her high school. Stop one on the high school tour. Her locker. It looked like a Good pretty fresh new locker. Just yet another <laughs> reminder, of which there are several in this episode, that Michelle is Young. like five years younger than me. <laughs> and it hurts my feelings. So I actually like this moment did kind of speak to me because I feel like the the thing where you like have a boyfriend who's always like hanging out at your locker and like making out mm-hmm. with you is like a high school experience that did, I did, did not, not experience have. that in high school. Just gonna say, and it seems like Michelle didn't either because she always talks about how much dating was a struggle and she she wasn't getting asked out on dates. To be able to go back and be like, I'm here at my locker and now there's a hot guy making out with me. That's got to feel good. Yeah. Mr. Basketball is making out with her at her locker. (laughs) That's major. um, They look at her, like the trophy case, the team pictures. And I was just like struck again by how much they speak the same language. Like they have so much shared experience. They, They graduated the same year and like did all the same stuff. So he's looking at the the photos of her in her varsity uniform, and he's like, oh, you were on varsity in 2008? That's crazy. And she's like, yeah, that was my ninth grade year. And you, they're both having that experience of like, wow, to make varsity in 2008 when you're in ninth grade, that's a big deal. Like, not everyone makes varsity freshman year. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they are so similar. They just had yeah. so many of the same formative experiences. And that's a really that powerful so thing. Hard. Yeah, that would be because like you can tell not to jump ahead, but like you can tell that he's maybe not her number one strongest connection. But that must be so hard for her to have all of these like really formative experiences in common and so much background in common and be like, oh, I wish our chemistry was was as, <laughs> you know, as strong as these connections. That's interesting. I feel like they have pretty good chemistry, but it comes out the most in certain settings. Mm-hmm. Like when they're talking about their high school basketball memories or they're playing one-on-one and they're really like in that zone where they're where they're both their truest selves. When they're playing one-on-one, I feel like they have like some heat between each other. Like they're sort of like a sexy ribbing of each other that we see come out again when they play one-on-one. But then isn't basketball like a little bit triggering for him? So it's like, is that enough to be like the basis of their chemistry playing this sport that like brings up, drudges up negative memories for him a little bit? Like, I don't know. I think it's actually, it seems like it's still a really positive thing for him to to be on the court. But when it's not like a hyper competitive setting. But is it enough? I don't know if it's enough. enough. That's, I think, for, you're I, on to something, That's the Amanda. question. But here's another thing. Michelle doesn't want to move. Like, her whole life is in Minnesota. And I look at, like, almost all the other front runners, and I'm like, are they going to move to Minneapolis? Right. And if that's really important to you, and you have this, like, great relationship with this cute guy, and you both love basketball. And you and, both and live there already? Together. Like, that just yeah. sounds easier. Like, I don't know. Maybe I would go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's so valid. I would fully go with that. Yeah. I also am currently dating someone I also had a fling with in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. So I, so you know the power. Uh, yeah, I do. And I, right. So I am It's the remeet. Look, the remeet is it's very the powerful. The remeet yeah. is super powerful. And it, for us, it was also 10 years later. So like, there's a lot to be said for that. And like, she keeps saying like, oh, we never like met. We had all these experiences separately, which is true. But she did know who he was before. Yes. So there is that history 
that we know she knows who he was because she DM'd him. And so there's clearly been a longstanding knowledge of him and an interest, and that's powerful too. I did love their little one-on-one uh, one-on-one game and how she's playing in a dress and she's like, it's not even about a girl beating you at this point. It's about a girl in a dress beating you. <laughs> and she clearly like wipes the floor with him. I just love see like she's so clearly in her element when she's playing basketball. Like there's just like there's an edge that that comes out between both of them and it's just it's kind of sexy. There's like a twinkle yeah. in both of their eyes. Yes, a twinkle. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect word. He talks about how they both talk about how reserved he is, and it's true, and sort of contrast her to that. But she is always also very composed. And th- this is when we most see that being broken when yeah. she acts more animated. So after they play, after they play one-on-one, um, they kind of sit down on the bleachers, and Joe is like, This is the best date I've ever been on. And Michelle talks about how much Joe reminds her of her dad and her brother, who are also both really reserved. And again, we see those, like, commonalities. Like, Joe is a really familiar figure to her. And I don't know if it's enough, but it's clear that that's going to, like, take him pretty far in this. When someone feels like home, that's huge. Yeah. Because I remember when Mm -hmm. I was in high school, before I'd ever had a real boyfriend, I remember thinking, like, how the absolute fuck is a person supposed to find their soulmate that's, First of all, someone they're super attracted to and want to have sex with. B, their best friend that they want to, like, sit around and watch The Bachelor with and, like, talk shit and do fun stuff. Pumpkin carve, whatever you want. And also, (laughs) your family member that's supposed to, like, change your bedpan when you're sick. And I think, like, that third element is, I I don't know, that's, for young people at least, sometimes the toughest to find. So someone who feels like home and who feels like family, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, you're straddling that, you know, you want them to feel like family in a way that you recognize, but also you don't want to feel like, I'm dating my brother. (laughs) Yeah, they can't feel too much like family. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that Michelle doesn't feel like Joe is her brother. Like, she definitely is like, he would have been my high school crush. Now he's my adult crush. Like, he's handsome. We get along so well. But yeah, but she sees these similar qualities that she is comfortable around. And... She asks if he was always reserved, and Joe says his dad is actually more reserved than him. This is a common thing that's coming up this season, is that all the guys are like, yeah, it's hard for me to express emotion because my dad never cried in front of me, except for that one time. Oh my god, men are so repressed. I say this every episode. Also, I'm like, what is... I know. And he tells her that, you know, it's hard for him to open up because that's what he learned, but He's trying to do it with her. He's trying to be more vulnerable for Michelle. And Michelle loves vulnerability. Um, she, like, smells a bit of vulnerability. And she, like, moves for it. She She's like, that's what I need. I relate to that. She's like, give me more vulnerability for the rest of this date. And they make out. And uh, before the dinner portion of the date, the evening portion, there is a content advisory screen that comes up in the episode, we want to offer one as well because the dinner portion of this date uh, with Joe does contain a conversation about depression and suicidal thoughts. And so in this part of the recap that we're doing, we will be discussing that. 
So for the night portion of their date, Joe meets Michelle out on a bridge, and she is in really great leather pants. Her mm. fashion just continues to be impeccable. Yeah, lots of leather, lots of metallics, lots of interesting cutouts and necklines. And and Joe is hyped. Joe is as hyped as Joe can be, which is him <laughs> saying in a deeply monotone voice, so far this date has exceeded all my expectations. Um, so they're going to be eating at a Ferris wheel dining experience called Betty Dangers. This is like the Moulin Rouge of Minneapolis. It looked fun to me. Yeah, I think it's like a thing. They sit uh, by a fire and Michelle says, tell me about Joe. And Joe says, that's a good question, even though it's not really a question. And it's not really a good question. But he's he's just, uh, he's, he's delaying the point where he has to start telling her about himself. Uh, clearly, this is his cue to to share some trauma. And so he dives into talking about his passion for sports and the dark side of that, which is all the injuries. He says in middle school, he broke three bones in his leg. Um, and then what can happen is your leg is weakened in certain ways. It, it can leave your foot susceptible to injury during play. In college, he broke one of his metatarsals. And he says that in surgery, his doctor put in too large of a screw horrifying. split and shattered the bone. Oh. Um, That's like some doctor death shit. Yeah. I was, like, I was thinking <laughs> exactly the like, same thing. I was like, oh my God, this is verging into We're all doctor like, call death. doctor death. Yeah. We've got one. We've got for a new you. story for you. Yeah. Um, and so he ended up needing another surgery to put in multiple screws and a plate. And so after all of this, he was able to come back and play, but he says it wasn't the same. I think we have a clip of what he says next. I didn't want to be out there because I couldn't handle it mentally. I was beyond difficult. It was anxiety, depression. Um, there was times where I was thinking... I even wanted to still be here. And that was really, was really tough for me. Um, ball was life, and that life was gone. And so... <sighs> so he goes on to say that basically he he's just always had high standards for his play. I mean, he was Minnesota Mr. Basketball, and... He just, like, knew he wasn't there anymore. And when you're an athlete and you're injured and you can't get back to that level of play, that's, like, that's, like, kind of, that must be so difficult to, to, to know, like, I'm never going to get back there, too. Like, I'm not back there now, right. but, like, this is kind of the beginning of a decline in my performance that I thought would peak much later in my career. And I think something that both Joe and Michelle speak to in this exchange, like, Michelle is kind of the perfect person to receive this disclosure, because she understands how much being an athlete can become a part of someone's identity. And I think that's also really what Joe is speaking to in terms of the mental health toll that it took, like feeling like this thing that was all-consuming, that defined him, that was the thing that he was best at and the reason that he had you know, received all these accolades in his childhood 
was now not going to be a part of his life anymore. And that sounds very traumatizing. Yeah. This section totally broke my heart for Joe and for our larger culture that we put so much incredible pressure on young people to, first of all, like, figure out what they want to do early in life, define them by that, you know, encourage them to be the best. And if they're not, or if they, you know, become compromised, then it's not just they've lost their career or their hobby. They've lost their sense of self. They've lost their sense of worth. And like, I can relate. I mean, anybody who feels defined by what they do, Mm -hmm. who has been conditioned by this culture to feel defined by what they do, I think can empathize with that. But then I also sort of maybe am retracting the position I took earlier where I was like, maybe like playing basketball triggers him because now I'm thinking like if if he and Michelle can like start a new life playing basketball together for fun in like a loving, non-competitive way, then that could be a real bonding moment for them and healing for him. Yeah, I completely agree. It's clear that like the love for the sport has not gone away, but just he's had to find other ways to have it in his life because trying to be competitive at an elite level um, when he had taken this, this hit to his fitness was so difficult. um, And it wasn't a good setting for him anymore. And I think like a very specific part of what you were just talking about, Amanda is like our amateur sports machine. Like he was, had it like basically a career ending injury before he was ever even in a position to go pro. Like the amount that, that his body went through just to play for like other people to make money basically, um, or to like potentially nurture his talent for like a future of one day making money. Um, is just like fucking heartbreaking. And, and I think that also until recently there's been like so little awareness of like, the personal toll this can have on players. It's like they're out there like playing for entertainment and like, oh, they got injured. They're going to be out. That sucks. But like, who's thinking about like how hard it is for like a 20 year old guy to, to suffer this kind of devastating injury. Like it's all about getting him back on the court um, and not much thought being paid to like his experience of that. And that's also extremely depressing. Um, And like, Also, just, like, the community aspect of this. Like, it's not just that basketball is his identity. It's, like, it's his community, like, his team. That's a really good point. It must be so, so hard to lose that. Like, it, 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 I thought a lot about, like, just how hard it was to get laid off and, like, not be around our colleagues, the other writers that, like, I used to work with and how much I benefited from that community and, for him, it would have been just a much more like abrupt and shattering experience. And and Michelle, I think, handles this conversation so well. Um, she encourages him to kind of let himself cry during this conversation. They're both crying. Um, she she empathizes with the aspects of this that she relates to. And he talks about how he had this this crisis where he realized he had to find a new life outside of basketball because the grind of rehab and recovery and playing was, was taking over his whole life and he had to move home and kind of recover. And it's still very painful for him. And Michelle says that it's okay that it still hurts. 
Um, and she says, you know, you work so hard and give up so much for the sport you love and to have something take you out before you're ready is a pain not everyone will understand. You woke up fighting every day, a battle that a lot of people didn't know about. But you did that. You got through it. I'm so curious, like just another sort of linguistic note. Um, all of these bachelor, uh, well, at, at least the people in the bachelor or bachelorette position learn to speak. I don't know whether they're trained to speak this way or they just pick it up naturally or what. But they always speak in these like nuggets of sound bitey motivational <laughs> love bomby type of, like, do you know what I'm saying like there is this bachelor bachelorette dialect yes. that mm -hmm. they pick up and I and it's a little bit uncanny like it's a little bit like we've talked of wisdom about it before yeah, and I think talked about it before part of it is just like there are a lot of sort of trauma disclosures that come at the lead and so there ends up being a little bit of a script that people yeah um sort of cling on to to try to respond in a way that does that justice especially in the early dates because they mm. don't really know these people well right yet and so there is this like yeah so that's why matt was always yeah. like thank you for sharing thank you for sharing yeah because, you know receiving someone's trauma it like you have to be trained to do that if you're going to do it well you know yeah yeah, I and I, I'm sure they give them. I hope that production tries to give them some like pointers, some tools. Yeah, like how to participate in active listening, validating statements, mirroring language. Like that doesn't necessarily come naturally to most people, but all the bachelors and bachelorettes like seem pretty good at it. I wonder how they get there. Yeah, it's interesting because this one stood out to me because I actually felt like it was unusual in the sense that. What Michelle said actually did seem to me to be truly responsive mm -hmm. to the type of disclosure he just made. It was more specific. It was relevant. It was specific. And you could tell that she had, she brought her own experiences to that right. response. And I think that there are a lot of scripts, like we saw this on earlier dates, where she was left with like a really big thing to respond to. And she wouldn't have much that she could reach for, except like, oh, well, like, you got through it and like you're such an amazing person because of that and like I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. And that's like what else can she say? Right. It's not very specific or maybe even apt to what happened. But in this case I'm like she knows what this experience was for right. him and she's actually speaking to that. But it does come out like it's some of the same sorts of phrases. And I think that the overlap with influencer like mm. wellness culture and The Bachelor is not um irrelevant right the venn diagram is uh, almost yeah. a circle yeah they're all very motivational e right, <laughs> right. no i guess you're right about that that type of language is very visible on social media and i'm mm -hmm. sure they pick it up yeah i think it's part of the whole bachelor ethos at this point yeah. and after this conversation they clearly are feeling very intimate like they make out she's gently like caressing his face and then she offers him the rose. And in his in the moment, he says, to your point, that one of his favorite quotes is, the best things in life are on the other side of fear. Um, I can just see that, you know, over um, a photo of of an ocean. Yeah, in like yeah, there is cursive. a great Etsy <laughs> poster in that quote, for sure. But he's like, this experience with, Mich with uh, on The Bachelorette has been 
scary, but it's been it's worth it uh, for Michelle. She makes me very comfortable um, with opening up. And Michelle is like, this is the most epic stars aligning date I've ever been on. Two souls living side by side without knowing it finally brought together. That's like Shit. intense. Michelle is like having her favorite dates of her life because she week. just really likes Joe and Nate, who we will get to. Yes. But they finish the the night by boarding the Ferris wheel. They make out some more, um, and then good on ABC. And Warner Brothers, as the segment ends, there is a suicide hotline screen referring viewers to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Um, I always appreciate when they offer those kind of resources. Include these resources. Yeah. yeah. And with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back for the group date. Can you keep up? I like And we're back. So the guys are all awaiting the group date card as they do. Um, Nate is definitely feeling like he has a target on his back. uh, Placed there by Chris S. But like being looked at by Michelle, who he thinks is expecting him to step up this week. And Chris, meanwhile, is like feeling really good. He's like, I did everything I need to do on this show. I probably should get to win now because of what I said to Michelle. Um, he's like, I, I'm expecting the one-on-one after last week. Um, and the group date card arrives and they're obviously all waiting to see whose name is not on it because that will be the person who gets the one, the second one-on-one. And the, the group date goes to Casey, Rodney, Martin, Leroy, Rick, Clayton, Olu, Chris and Brandon meet me at the stadium. A different stadium. Our second stadium of the episode. Really well. You can all probably already guess that our basketball rating is going to be high. Yeah. This episode. We are batting like it's it's 100% stadium inclusion in our dates at this point <laughs> in the episode. It's incredible. Uh, this means that Nate is getting the one-on-one um, and of course, like, there are some guys who are front runners, I think, or hot contenders who still haven't gotten one, who are disappointed. Olu, Clayton, Brandon. But Chris, Chris is really disappointed. He's disappointed in Michelle. And I think we have a clip of what he has to say. I went out on a limb for her and told her the honest truth, which is what she wanted to hear and asked from everyone else in the house. Everything I said fell on deaf ears. The way things have played out, I feel like I got the short end of the stick. Oh, Chris. Oh, Chris. I just, every time he speaks, I'm like, do, do you hear yourself? Do you know that this is being recorded and aired? The entitlement is just... He oof. reminds me a lot of rageful internet commenters who don't who <laughs> yes. don't proofread who like mm. have an impulse when they see something or hear something that you know triggers them in some way that ultimately is triggering them because because whatever they're seeing or listening to is not for them and they think that everything in the world mm-hmm. should be for or about them right well chris yes. is the center of this show yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In so, his like, mind. 
something, you know, ingrained human biases, his conditioning, his background, who knows if he was a spoiled child, probably. I don't know. He's a Southern <laughs> boy. Like, let's be real. Odds are what? I'm not going to speculate, but yes, I just did. Anyway, some combination of factors has caused him to believe that he is the center of the universe and that if he does something, then something should naturally happen back that he wants. Do you know like when internet commenters mm -hmm. will like, I don't know if you ever get like mean podcast reviews, but someone well, will be we, like- We get uh, internet comments of all, of yeah. all shades. So it's like this, this just isn't for you in the way, and, and that's reminding me of Chris because it's like, yes, you put something out in the universe, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get what you want, you know? Well, right. Like, you, you can't take actions that you consider to be good or generous only on the condition that you receive the thing you want in return. Exactly. Mm. He's like yelling, I understood the assignment at Michelle and like shaking his page of homework at yeah, her. He's like, where's like, my A, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I need to get a sticker on my chart right now. That's how I was <laughs> raised. I always get the sticker. It's like he didn't put on sunscreen well. He like missed a spot and now he's like yelling at the sun because he got a sunburn. He's like, no, I did put on sunscreen. And the sun is like, motherfucker, you missed a spot. <laughs> And like he truly did. Like he's like, I did what Michelle wanted. And it's like, but not like exactly also like really what she wanted, buddy. Like Yeah, first of all, I mean, not exactly what she wanted because you literally spoke over her and for her, but also she's not obligated to like you no matter no. what you do. She's not like a fucking gumball machine where you put in a quarter yeah, right. and you get a gumball. Out. I suspect that that is exactly how Chris S looks at women. A yeah. thousand percent. Like Chris S., if you want a gumball machine, go to a damn candy store. Dylan's Candy Bar, <laughs> wherever you want. They even have candy at Whole Foods. <laughs> I'm definitely getting the vibe that if he buys you a drink at the bar and then you don't talk to him for at least 30 minutes, he asks you to pay for the drink. Totally. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. That's, that's he, what like, I'm buys you dinner here. and then you're like, no, I don't want to go home with you. And then he Venmo charges you. Like, that's mm. that's, uh, Chris that's Chris. Mm. And also, I just want to say, he says everything I said fell on deaf ears like 15 times during this episode. And it's not all the same soundbite. He says it on camera multiple times. And like we're not doing that anymore. No, problematic. Like we're not saying we're not we're not using ableist uh, comparisons anymore. Uh, I suspect Chris, Chris <laughs> is completely unaware what like ableism even is. Like that's the level There's of no chance. There is yeah. no chance. He's unaware of a lot of damn things. He's behind. Yeah, spoiled. I just the the, the word that comes to mind is spoiled. Like he hasn't really participated in adulthood yet. <laughs> and he doesn't start on this date. He goes in. All the men are like going into this date, like raring to go into this football stadium. They're like, we're here. We're here to put in effort. Michelle, you know, expressed that we didn't do enough last week. This yeah. week, we're going to do better. Chris, on the other hand, is like, what if I just act silent and passive aggressive? Maybe that's my way of putting in effort. Yeah, well, he's going to act silent and passive-aggressive until Michelle remembers that he put in effort last week, which is his way of putting in effort. Yeah. He's going to sit there patiently until she recognizes the effort that he banked oh, last week. Oh, my God. I hate him so much. Um, so this date, 
They think it's like a football date because they're at the, yeah. the home of the Minnesota Vikings. And Clayton's like, yeah. I'm ready. I'm going to shine here. And so Michelle's yeah. like, great. Are you guys ready to meet the Vikings? And out come some men dressed in Viking costumes. This, honestly, I thought was a little bit mean. These guys are so <laughs> excited to meet the Vikings. They're just like, my whole life has been building to meeting, like, the place kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. They're also ready to, like, beat the shit out of each other in a game of yeah. tackle football. And, yeah. alas. Yeah, at one point, she's like, what do you think you'll be doing? And they're all like, football. And someone goes, contact, let's hope. <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> Probably one of the bigger dudes. Just a permission structure for men to experience physical touch with each other. I know. They all, yes. want, they all want it. That's they Literally, they're like, I hope that we have contact with each other. Um, but no, it's actually an opportunity for them to be targeted and mocked for not being swole enough, which has been like a recurring Poor Brandon. Yeah. This season. Leave Brandon alone. Leave Brandon alone. First of yeah. all, he has a lovely body. He's a cute yeah. guy. Also, like, again, the the smallest of these men is like still six feet tall. Like every, yeah. these men are like yeah. abnormally tall. It's like it's not enough to be like taut and in, and in like good physical health. You have to like have a neck that is shaped like a pyramid. Yeah, I agree. Or you're garbage. This is the part of all of these episodes where I can barely watch it because I'm so uncomfortable and so put off by the like manufactured sense of like I, what are they what are they trying to do? I mean, I guess they're trying to fill time and they're trying to cause mostly courage. fill time, mostly fill time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like show which man can throw a stump. Throw a stump. Dates, which man yeah. can scream the loudest? Uh, and most creatively. That's <laughs> these are things you need in a partner. Yeah, this there is some stuff I did not want to watch this episode. I appreciated that the guys mostly really like each other. So it could have gotten much uglier than it ended up getting. But, of course, we had to get in some of the Vikings being like, Brandon, I could crush you with just one finger. You're so tiny. And I just want to say, I read an article about how men are all so pressured to be incredibly swole now that, like, everyone's taking crazy amounts of steroids and it's, like, really bad. We need to be nicer to young men about not having biceps the size of a head. Yes, don't don't body shame anyone. That's just, like, a great... A great rule of thumb. Do not comment on people's bodies. It is unnecessary no. and harmful. I, I, it's, it's, it's sad to me that this has become such a running thing this season to like mock the guys that don't have that very specific physique. Yeah. But they, they do some other stuff other than body shaming. Uh, they, they do some war cries. I actually think we have a clip of some of the war cries that they try to do. Whether you're fighting for love or fighting for honor, Vikings let out a cry to signal to their enemies that they are ready for the fight. I feel like today will be a very telling group date. Mitchell! Okay. Last group date I came out of it really feeling like they weren't making small moments with me. And so today, I want to have fun with these guys. Oh! But you have to make small moments. That's what I'm going to be looking for today. Ooh, ooh, you call that a war cry? <laughs> oh, 
my god. You do have to make small moments. The one the one where it sounds like a guy being strangled while he while he shouts Michelle, that's Rick. Rick. Yeah. Oh my god. I was looks like he has like dying. sweat drops the size of marbles I was on his forehead. Very concerned. He looks Ill. I was very concerned a vein was going to quite literally pop. He was going to give himself an aneurysm. On Dear Shandy, uh Andy pointed out that Rick always looks like he's recovering from food poisoning and like <laughs> you can't unsee it. Once I was you like know that. I was like, I, now he looks like he's beginning to have food poisoning. <laughs> Look, we're we're all worried for Rick. We're yes. Um, but uh Chris is just like not even really trying. He does the last war cry where they're all like, What even was that? You just kind of shouted a little bit. But he's just like he's pouting. Nate got the one on one. He's stuck on a group date and he's like he's like determined to have a terrible attitude. He's like, today I'm gonna stand out from the other guys because I'm Chris and they're the other guys. Oh. And I'm like, wow, you wow. have like insane main wow, character bro. derangement syndrome. <laughs> main character like, derangement. Out of control. <laughs> I also love that like clearly production kind of hates him too, because they are all oh, yeah. given Viking costumes to put on for the end of this challenge date. And they're all in, like, varying silly costumes. But Chris is in a literal, like, blow-up centaur costume. So he, <laughs> yeah, he just has a just horse's, has a horse's butt, butt him. trailing him. It's humiliating. Imagine being production and and Chris being your favorite. Like, of course production hates So they're like Chris. this <laughs> fucking guy. And they probably, <laughs> like, some interns went to Party City and were like, LOL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they come out in their Viking gear to a covered table with apparently flies buzzing around it. Yum. And underneath is a feast of Viking delicacies like pickled fish and cow head hash. This would be rough on my stomach. This it would definitely it's gonna be rough on Rick's stomach because again, he's like, he already has food on. poisoning. <laughs> he's not feeling good. And they all just have to like smash some pickled fish and horse and cow intestine. I love for Michelle. when at one point Rodney is watching someone else like take a bite of the fish and he just goes, is that crunchy? It sounded crunchy. <laughs> I suspect that they added some, uh, I know some they sound used effects it up. in post, but yeah, I bet it, I mean, he did, he did say it. So I believe that it was. <laughs> it was I'm <somewhere>. concerned. <laughs> I don't there know. There was at least a little bit of crunch. The, like, head hash would have been even more difficult. But the, but the rest of the, the dudes are, like, pretty game. It's, like, objectively kind of gross. But they're game. Except for, of course, Chris, who's just sitting there whining and saying, I don't think I can do this. And then goes in, his, in the moment and says, Louisiana boys only eat good seafood, not nasty seafood. Okay, Chris. What is he going for? That's what's so confusing. Like, how does he not realize he's going to come off terribly? I feel like this comes up uh, again and again on the show. There's, like, almost the the stock character of the contestant who loves the good life, like, who's from, like, a kind of privileged background and maybe has a good job or just, like, a wealthy family. And their thing is just, like, I like nice things. Like, mm. I like good food. Like, I Bennett. like. Like Bennett, and I feel like we we've seen like maybe Corinne a little bit too, um, characters like that, mm. uh, and like it just doesn't come off well on this show because so much of it is about gamely doing very unpleasant things. Yeah, and it's and there and there is something about I mean obviously the show wants to appeal to like 
the everyman and the every woman and have like a sort of aspirational, but at the same time still like blue collar charm. And so if you come across as like too Harvard or like too waspy, you'll end up just seeming super, I don't like this word, but yeah. unlikable. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's just nothing appealing about being like, I only like to enjoy myself and have pleasant things. It's like, yeah, no shit. Everyone just wants to like <laughs> yeah, everyone do nice, pleasant things and enjoy things themselves. that they like. This is <laughs> yeah. not revolutionary. And like, again, I could never go on the show because I am very bad at tolerating unpleasantness. But that's and why would, you aren't going but on the I show. know I know the optics of this I would never go on the show and and ruin my reputation um after after the feast they they battle through arm wrestling uh for, first up is Chris versus Olu and Chris says I'm gonna forfeit and Michelle's like no she's like you will participate <laughs> Such a teacher. Everyone has to participate with their partner in the exercise. (laughs) (laughs) You have been paired with Olu and you're going to do it. Um, He barely even like tries, but mostly everyone is really like stepping it up this date. Like they're all over her. Like they're like both like two guys trying to like kiss her at the same time. Like it's just like getting like they they (laughs) took the feedback and they responded accordingly. And they also just seem to be having a good time. Clayton ultimately wins the challenge. He's like the ultimate Viking or whatever. Uh, And Chris, again, is worried about his own level of fun. He says, today hasn't been fun for me. So I need to tell Michelle what's on my mind. Yeah, he's like, I really need to talk to her because today like wasn't fun for me. Um, I think that he uh, maybe could have noticed that she had noticed that he wasn't having fun and she was not. She didn't care. Right. <laughs> she was not impressed. I think that is, like, unfathomable to him. Unfathomable. He's yeah, like, I don't think it's he's really job. very accustomed to tuning in to how other people feel. He's Clearly just not. very in tune with his own feelings and desires. Yes. So let's see <laughs> how he handles this during the night portion of the date. Maturely, I'm sure, um, they they gather at one of, you know, some sort of, like, historic mansion or whatever. Michelle is in a sparkly green mini dress. Ooh, I loved her in uh, green. She mm, looked fantastic. So the emerald color. Yeah, I love it. Every love color it. is her color. It's true. She starts by thanking most of them for stepping up and putting in more effort this week. It doesn't seem to and register for Chris. He's like, who could she be talking about? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Great. He's like, I did make an effort last week, so I'm good. She has a couple chats with some of her front runners, Clayton, who apparently she likes. They talk about like their parents and stuff. Uh, she talks to Brandon, who just gets like more puppy dogish about Michelle every week. Like he's like so excited about her dress and like how hot she looks. And he's just like, I'm ready for this. He's like, Laura's going to have to separate me from you tonight in that dress. I think <laughs> he's I, so corny. He, he's so, he's so cute to me. Like, I, I, like, no matter who it is, like, the, the quality that I find most attractive in anyone is, like, a, like, a naughty boyish charm, like, twinkle, (laughs) twinkle in their eye, and he just does, he has that, he has this, like, I want to go play tag with you, and, like, he's so fun, yeah, he does have that boyish energy that, 
people give him a hard time for, I think it's very appealing as an old elderly 33 year old. (laughs) I still love it. Yeah, you should um, you should Puma him. (laughs) He already he had a birthday this week, so I think he's like 27 now. Oh, I mean, that's that's a nothing age difference. Yeah, it's totally great. Um, She says she noticed that he made the most effort on the date and she thanks him by feeding him some more Nordic fish. But this time (laughs) it's Swedish fish. Oh, I loved when she left the um, stadium date and he kissed her and she was like straight fish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, see, that's cute to me too. Like it's like, like bespeaks a kind of like comfort, uh, physical comfort. between them. And he has like an unselfconsciousness, not like a, a, not like a self unawareness, like Chris S, but an unselfconsciousness that again, I, I this is not about me and Brandon's relationship, but I <laughs> you're like, but it could be, <laughs> hey Brandon, but it could be, mm. it could never work because Brandon's the name of my brother. But um, <laughs> anyway, I think I think he's cute. <laughs> yeah, he's I actually cute. think it's interesting you point that. I think that like on self consciousness and on self awareness, it's almost difficult for them to go. Like the more like on self aware Chris is, I almost feel like he's still very self conscious. Yes, percent. he's extremely yeah. self conscious, which he yeah. expresses kind of overtly later on. Yeah. So, meanwhile, with the guys, uh, speaking of Chris, everyone has noticed, uh, specifically Casey, that Chris is the only guy who like did not make an effort this week after like ruining the cocktail party last week, calling all of them out. Um, and so he brings it up with Chris in front of the guys. He's like, do you feel like everyone stepped up compared to last week? And Chris is like, yeah, I made her laugh with what I was wearing. So that was good. Like I looked good. And he's like, we all looked good. We all looked good. (laughs) I did. I did love that Casey was just like very calmly trying to bait Chris. He's like, yeah. So (laughs) you think you were very, uh, you really noticed last week. You were really concerned. How do you think everyone did? Chris so good yeah Chris is just like doesn't even notice what's happening but uh he just sits with his I'm sure it's a screwdriver it really looks like a glass of lightly beaten eggs to me it was very Uh, it looked very unpleasant I was like this is very unpleasant it it matched his personality frankly (laughs) it's just like everything associated with him now I'm like I know everything's just like sour and cloudy yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um, and he keeps saying, like, you know, last week I told her all this good information, but then Nate got the one-on-one that I should have had, and, like, I want to, I need to talk to her about it. But then he just, like, sits around, like, grazing on the charcuterie and, like, glowering. And, like, we see all the other guys kind of, like, interrupting other conversations, like, making a bid to get time with Michelle and having great conversations with her. And Chris is nowhere to be found. At one point he's, like, outside with martin who just gravitates to shitty dudes like martin loves villain energy. yeah martin is also just like really telling on himself by the company that he keeps yeah um chris tells martin like i feel like i said what i said and then nate immediately gets a one-on-one and i haven't spoken to her since and martin says well there are three things that you can't be you can't be insecure you can't be prideful and you can't be jealous. He is not wrong about that. I will give that to Martin. Yeah. yeah. He did take a big long pause between thing one and thing two, which led me to believe like, do you know what you're saying? Before he was like, you I are- have one, but I'm going <laughs> to make it three, three things. It's like that yeah. kid in school who raises their hand like super enthusiastically to answer a question and then gets called on and is like, um, and has to think of what they were going to say, even though they were so down to give the answer. 
Yeah, he had uh, definitely um, like buzzed too early <laughs> in uh, in Jeopardy yeah. syndrome. In Family Feud, um, he did. He he committed to three things. Then he was like, I actually didn't think of the three things. He's and like, like, I had like one third one. I forget things. what the third one is. <laughs> uh, is it a uh, Department of Energy? I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> Chris is like, I, I, I'm just gonna wait for her to talk to me. Basically, he hangs out. And then, finally, Michelle joins the group and says, I'm going to wrap up the evening. And Chris kind of shakes his head and mouths, wow, wow. in, like, a very affronted way. He's like, such oh. an asshole. She's such really doing baby. that. He's such a baby. He reminds me of me when I was, like, 13. Right? No, he has oh, such yeah. teenager energy. Like, very sulking yes. teen in the corner. Yes. Like, there's like a huge subsection of like men who are public figures who uh, achieve prominent careers and money and often success in the Republican Party <laughs> and like do not seem to have like changed at all since they were 16 and they were doing keg stands and like s- like stealing the keys to their dad's like luxury car. Like it's just so bizarre to see this supposedly full-grown man acting like that. It's just funny because, like, we revile and lambast teenage girl anything in this culture Mm -hmm. so hardcore. Like, the second something starts to smell of teenage girl energy, we censure it, except when that teenage girl energy is coming from a grown adult white man. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, all behaviors are pretty much acceptable if they come from the body of a a, cis straight white dude yes indeed (laughs) can really overcome a lot and while he's recovering from this blow to his self-esteem michelle offers the group date rose to clayton and chris is just like i don't understand like you know i'm a fun goofy guy that i'm playful and i wasn't that at all today and you're not gonna check in on me how like he's like how like I don't understand like I what I did to step up was I signaled through my lack of participating in the date or positivity that I need her to take care of me and she yeah, just what you want fails. in a partner someone who will test you with their stony silence rather than yes. communicating if there's an issue and who wants you to do the labor to bridge that gap. Just uh, Listen, ideal if, if you want to act like that, you have to be her only boyfriend first, <laughs> at minimum. Like, she can't keep track of, like, all the ten guys on the date with her and, like, how demonstrative they're being at any given moment. Do they need follow-up on whether she could do something to make them more outgoing and bubbly? That was, like, ultimate magical thinking moment. Like, he <laughs> has constructed an alternate universe in his mind of what's going on and she must be out of her wits not to notice it but it's like dude you're not in you're not on this plane with the rest of everyone else yeah that's part of it too is like i mean like look if he were a front runner maybe she would have noticed and like made an effort but like she's not obligated to care how he's feeling 
to that degree. Like she is not into him. Also, whoever thought of him as a fun, goofy guy? He's not funny. Yeah, well, he's not fun at all. He wore that. He wore that little schoolboy outfit. On he's like, one. I did one lightly goofy thing. Uh, <laughs> a I'm a goofy ago. guy. That's my brand. Just he's real just goofy. checking things off the list. He's like, I did one goofy thing, and then I did one thing where I stepped up and was honest with her, and now I never have to do anything again. <laughs> I just wow. Feel really sorry for all the women he has ever dated and will date in the future. Yeah. My therapist would call him ineligible for dating. <laughs> I like your she therapist. Sounds wise. She sounds great. She sounds wise. Yeah. Uh, after Michelle leaves, uh, the guys are all like chatting about how the date went. And Brandon finally, I loved this. I love Brandon. Finally, he's like, Chris, you had something to say? You're just like sitting there like smacking your lips. Oh, like, do you have something you want to say? <laughs> And Chris, of course, doesn't want to say anything. He just wants everyone to know he's unhappy. So he's like, no, I don't have anything to say to you guys. I just need, you know, I need to get a chance to talk to Michelle. It's like, okay, so you just wanted everyone to feel a little bit uncomfortable. A baby. Okay. You just want to cast little Paul. Uh, And with that, it's time for the final date. With Nate. With Nate. Nate, I'm looking for a man who isn't afraid to test the waters. That's right. We're going to be on one of the many lakes that distinguish Minnesota's landscape. <laughs> Lake Minnetonka is is a major, <laughs> okay. major Minnesota place. And it is her dream to have a house on Lake Minnetonka. I mean, and that honestly I have to sounds say, good. I very much understand now why she went on The Bachelor. Because if you want to live in Minnesota and be a teacher and also have lake end up front, with front a, property. A giant a giant lakefront property on Lake Minnetonka. You've got to like you've got to add some other streams of income. <laughs> yes, you've got to have that passive bachelor income. Exactly. <laughs> you, you've got to hustle a little bit. And uh so Nate meets her. She is she is piloting the boat um that they are going to be hanging out on uh and Nate climb climbs aboard. She sits in his lap while she gives him a little tour of the lake. And then Michelle tells him that this is about to be a group date. And he's like, because uh, here are uh, two of her uh, best friends. Clearly that like her friends like missed their first cue or something. Cause he's like, Oh really? And she's like, yeah, it's going to, it's be a real group date. And then finally they like, they approach. And you can just see the look of like complete relief in Nate's like eyes. He's like, Oh, <laughs> friends okay this is a good thing for me yeah i, I got this. imagine if it was just chris s she was like i really just wanted you and chris s to have some time to iron things out i mean look you can't put anything past them on this show so i understand nate's trepidation michelle wouldn't do that because no. all she wants is to like spend lots of time gazing into nate's she eyes she really likes nate and i think it it speaks so well for him that she wanted her friends to sort of give their relationship the seal of approval because oftentimes like you don't get a single friend meeting the people you're dating on this show, which is like weird and not true to real life. And so I feel like I feel like this was a big, a big date. Yeah. I think Nate is her favorite. Same. Personally. Yeah. No, I think this is totally the date that you give. I feel like it's the date that Ben Higgins gave to Lauren on his season, the friend date. I think it's often the date that you give to someone that you really like, but you're not sure if they like you enough because you want someone more objective than you to be like, 
are you making the the mistake again that you've made in the past? Because it totally would have been wasted on Joe, who has all of those other pieces. The bat, like he would have been a shoe in with the friends. He's a hometown hero. Yeah. Nate, though, with that little earring, he's a wild card. Yeah, or like Rodney. Like, you know, you take some of these guys and like she doesn't need that level of scrutiny on them yet. She feels like confident. Nate, she's clearly like, I want I want validation that this isn't a huge mistake. <laughs> and her friends are like ready to be tough. They're like, we've seen Michelle in some bad relationships. We adore her. We need to figure out what your deal is. And so they start by asking who in the house is there for the wrong reasons. And Nate gives such a good answer to this. It's I very thought. diplomatic. Yeah. He's like, I, it's, you know, it's not that I don't care, but like Michelle can clearly handle it and find those guys That's and the get rid best of them thing herself. To say, like, he doesn't involve himself in any like pettiness about other men. And he's like, and he also gives a lot of credit to Michelle and how decisive and discerning she is. And like, what else, as someone's friends, you just want to hear that their new potential partner trusts them, admires them, and, like, knows them. Yeah, respects them. Yeah. And I feel like Nate gets that across. But then they ask if he has enemies in the house. And this was interesting. I thought he actually could have been, like, you know, like, there's always going to be some, like, heads butting. But, like, I, I like everyone in the house. And, like, we're all just here for Michelle. But he's le- legitimately, he's like, yeah, like Chris this is guy my, Chris, Chris is my called enemy. me the fuck out. <laughs> Chris is my enemy. <laughs> I would have I would have trouble not br- raising that. I I too would have trouble. I mean, I think it was valid of him to be like, look, like this happened and I want to clear the air and be honest about it because it might have been like creepily diplomatic to pretend like it didn't happen. No, I I kind of respected it because Same. then they have follow-up questions and he's honest about what he said that yes. led Chris to call him out and and he's also, like, then, you know, opening himself up to their judgment for having had that level of confidence. Although he does then take the opportunity to be like, but I just meant that we have such a good connection. I think about her all the time. Like, she told me to be patient. I, uh, so that's why I felt confident. And that also, I would like, again, we said this last time, like, he's not wrong. He kind of was right to be that confident. Well, and I think something that often happens on The Bachelor, obviously, like we're only seeing a small slice of what these conversations actually are. And I feel like in some instances, I I get suspicious that someone is being edited to seem cocky or villainous when really like something was maybe just taken slightly out of context. And so I was glad that the show didn't try to paint him as a villain for making this comment because clearly it wasn't a villainous comment. Um, So I was like reassured by that because I feel like sometimes uh, certain contestants are given a slightly sensationalized portrayal when they say things like this. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of comment that is very easy for the show to edit either way, which is like great ammo for them to have. Like you give it a, a kind of suspicious music and a lot of reaction footage from the guys and it, it he looks like a monster. Or you could play it very chill with like sort of s- semi-romantic music and you're like, oh, he feels really good about their connection. Like it's so malleable. And Chris used that against him. And 
the 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 issue was that Michelle had also noted that he wasn't doing enough, and so now he just has to try to convince her that that was a momentary lapse and not kind of how he's going to be toward her going forward. Um, but her friends love them together. They they're like you look at each other in in such a beautiful way. You have such great chemistry. And Michelle talks about how much she and Nate connect and, like, her strong feelings for him. And he seems very gratified. I do feel like I still find myself questioning how into her he is. Like, in these moments, I'm like, he's clearly not unattracted to her. He has a good time with her. But I was like, this is such an opportunity for him to, like, make a lot of good eye contact with her and, like vocally reciprocate more and he's just comfortable kind of like receiving that yeah and, well I, yeah and sitting he back just a little definitely more. is a dude who has gotten a lot of romantic attention without a lot of effort is my yeah. suspicion yeah. and I that would, doesn't yeah. necessarily mean he would be a bad partner but it is like a little red flag I it's something you might have you. to work on. Yeah, I like because I just I love me a simp. Like I just like <laughs> a really I love a guy who like puts all his cards on the table, you know? Like this is my yeah. Oh yeah. Like romantic. You know, so because some like women, a Brandon type. Oh, 100%. Yes. Not to keep bringing him up, but <laughs> no, I, but because I I just think that you when it's genuine, it's like so much more fun to be the, and this is why I think that like women dating women often like have more, more romantic relationships because they've both been conditioned to just be more forward about their feelings um, mm-hmm. and, and more vocal and more performative and all that. And so when a guy is not afraid even to be corny and like put himself on a limb like Brandon, I think that that I mean, when it's genuine, then it's like home run. I, lo- I love to know how you feel about me. But I think that you're right. Nate has clearly not had to put that much effort into um, having a lot of interactions with women's bodies. I mean, look minds. at him. He probably just has to like kind of like lean back and like smile at a girl and be like, you're pretty cool. Well, and she's like, like, I will marry you. Exactly. Like, he's 200 <laughs> feet tall. He's got the damn earring. He's got like a swaggy posture. Uh, he says that I love the way that he he's insults Canadian. people. Also. Oh my god, oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, his insults are. He, I actually really respect his insults because first of all, they're gender neutral. They're very creative. He dweeb. says things. Dweeb. dweeb. Oh, and somehow it's so much more cutting than saying so and so is an asshole or so exactly. and so is a dick. I love it. Or like so and so he is doesn't, a douche, you know? His insults convey that he is not threatened. Like he's not gonna be like, you're like a python slithering through my life to strangle the life out. He's like, you're just like weird. Like you're weird. What's wrong with you? I like, think what? it's so <laughs> badass. And I aspire to that level of like dismissive smugness just to be like, you're a fucking turkey, dude. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love yeah. his style. Like, they should put He's like, I'm literally above this. Insults. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the new, the new Shakespeare. It'd be very short. It would just be like weird and dweeb, but like, that's all you need. I love it. <laughs> that's great. And uh, he's going to need them tonight because 
while Nate and Michelle are cooling off with a little swim in Lake Minnetonka, Chris is back at the hotel bitching to his new BFF, Martin, about her infatuation with Nate and how Michelle's turning a blind eye to the red flags. Um, again, we're talking about this, uh, this ableist language that keeps coming up, but uh, Martin... <laughs> agrees he's like she may be giving him the time of day that he may not deserve and chris says i feel really played by it all and he keeps saying he like didn't get a chance to speak to her and i'm like no one made you make a little speech at the beginning of the cocktail party no one made you go up and throw nate under the bus and also no one prevented you from getting time with michelle so i'm seeing like a lot of choices you made that now you are turning into ways that other people specifically michelle have victimized you very creative thinking here on his part he's like i didn't get a chance to speak with her and martin's like you will though and he's like it can't wait to the cocktail party it has to happen during the date the one-on-one that was supposed to be his and was unjustly he is entitled to from his fingers and given to nate um Meanwhile, Nate and Michelle are matching for their Christmas date. Button down looks. They're both in like monochromatic white. They looked great. And they are having dinner, sort of, it looks like at the top of like a tall building in the downtown area. And she asks Nate if he feels like it's important to him to be vulnerable in their relationship. And to like express affection and say, I love you frequently. And he says, open communication is important to him. And also someone who will call him on his bullshit. And she's like, I can definitely do that. And she asks what else is important to him. He's like being fun, still getting to like be fun and childlike and be myself. And like, I've been in relationships where I lost that. Um, you know, sometimes a woman just, like, is no fun, just, like, really drags you down. I'm sure we've all been there. And <laughs> Michelle says <I'm> that <laughs> – Michelle says that uh, in the past she stayed in a three-year relationship that was similar, where she was losing herself. She kept trying to push through and work harder to make it work, even though she wasn't getting that effort back. This was actually a very intense story. I'm, I'm surprised we never – heard about this This before super intense i was like shook because i think also she she framed it like this is something in her past and she's you know grown from it and healed from it but i'm like you literally had to move back in with your parents because you were so psychologically traumatized by this relationship yeah this is really intense she says toward the end of the relationship she got very sick she couldn't keep anything down so her doctors were talking about maybe putting in a food bag like she was like severely like ill severely Ill, ill wasting away and like her boyfriend she says wasn't even checking in on her just like wasn't caring for her in any way um and then he dumped her while she was at her sickest yeah basically it sounds like she had to move home so that someone would care for her and then he broke up with her yeah um and ultimately it turned out that her illness was actually being triggered by the stress of this toxic relationship which is just like a wild example of the way that 
you know, emotional trauma can manifest physically. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, yeah. it's a devastating story. Yeah, absolutely wild. I uh, heartbreaking. I I can't believe that that we didn't like almost know this about her. I although know. I mean, she's under no obligation to share. It's I was just like, wow, this is. It's such a story of neglect to me. You know, she clearly has trauma, not feeling neglected by her parents necessarily, although I guess we don't know the full story. Like, who knows what's going on there? I mean, it seems like she grew up in a very healthy family environment. But at least socially, she felt, Mm -hmm. she calls it unseen. Like, I I can hear my therapist call it neglect or benign neglect. People not, you know, necessarily overtly leaving her when she was a little kid so that she had nothing to eat and no one to care for her, but like emotionally making her feel that way, which can follow you for the rest of your life and is like pretty serious. (laughs) No, it's crazy. And like she says, you know, her parents cared for her when she was home and like were there for every moment of it. And, you know, she was an adult at that point. So like, you know, not, not every parent would be that involved in their child's care, but they were really there for her and her partner wasn't. And, that is a crazy level of neglect to have your partner be in that state. I think what what we often see on this show is like people will say like, oh, my thing is that I've always been in relationships that weren't really reciprocal. That like, you know, they I didn't get back what what I was putting in. And like that can mean so many things. It sounds very like generic and like who hasn't felt that way in a relationship? And then she's like literally – my partner sucked so much that I became deathly ill and he still didn't pay attention to me. And like, that is way beyond what most people mean when they say that. For sure. Um, so to get that context for kind of one of her running like narratives uh, was very insightful. And Nate is like, I can't imagine a guy not taking advantage of who you are or something like that. Like, basically, he's like, who wouldn't pay attention to you? You're great. Um, And she's like, today was one of my favorite days. And Nate is like, of ever? Really? And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. So they're they're really connecting. But... That's going to end soon because Chris is on his way to, to fuck, fuck up their up night. Their night. <laughs> They're having their sort of intimate conversation when Michelle spots something over Nate's shoulder. Do you see the look on her face? Like her entire <laughs> face dropped in complete horror. That's how you want a girl to look of <laughs> a, a, a romantic interest when she sees you approaching although yeah, he probably contorted dread. it in his mind like to mean excitement or he probably just like you know <laughs> i, we, I we doubt he it even registered for him he do, again he doesn't seem very like aware of any social cues and so far as he would notice her disappointment i think he would be like it's not right what's happening to me that michelle isn't excited to see me right i did what she asked she should be really excited to see me um, but she'd rather hang out with Nate, and that is violence against me. Yeah, he's me. like, I have been victimized so many ways. When will the violence end? And so Chris <laughs> approaches the table. Nate is like, what the fuck? He goes like, weird, <laughs> weird. Yeah, Chris walks up and is like, hey, can I speak with you for one moment? It's important. And there's a pause while Michelle is like, uh. And Nate's just like, Weird. I love, I love it. Oh my God, he's so savage. He's quietly savage. 
Uh, it just like I, deflates all of the like import that Chris thinks that he's bringing to the scene. He's just it's like just a like, gnat on yes. the window screen. Oh, it's, it's so effective. Like- I really need to take some some cues from Chris next time I need to insult someone because it's perfect. It's devastating. Devastating. It devastating. If, if I was on the receiving just, end of that, it would be just like deflating. That's me. what I'm saying. Like if I were in an argument with someone and they were like screaming and using, you know, any number of, you know, classic four letter words to try and eviscerate me, I would be like, yeah, we're in it. But if someone was like watching me fume and we're just like weird, I would be, I would, yeah. I would disembowel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Invitation to the party has been like just quietly rejected. And Michelle clearly is like this on the same wavelength as Nate, but she's like, I have to deal with this. So she steps outside with Chris. And I think we have a clip of what Chris brings to her attention. I feel really insecure being here. Um, I felt really disappointed last night. I didn't get the chance to speak with you. And You know, to be honest, I felt really played by the whole situation. Uh, played? Before the rose ceremony, I said what I said, came from a place of honesty, and I don't know what happened after that. You came down, you sat next to Nate. Two days later, you proceeded to give him one-on-one. I felt like what I said had fallen on deaf ears, and I came to say that I warned you, and I don't want you to make the wrong decision. He came to say, I, I warned, warned you. you. <laughs> He's like a villain okay. in a Pixar movie. I got to say, to Chris's credit, he started out. I was okay. going to say the first sentence was the okay. The first statement, I feel really insecure <laughs> being here. That's like a valid I statement. And I would say an accurate portrayal of what we all see going on his insecurity right. I'm like sir you could have said this in a conversation at the cocktail party yeah, and then just stopped there and that would have been an appropriate yeah. thing to say but yeah. no this is again he's there to reprimand Michelle for spending time with Nate despite his warnings because that is an affront <laughs> to Chris and all of the effort he put in in speaking for her there's this way, this moment where he has to come to the thing where he's like, I just came to say, and then he's like, I have nothing stronger to say than like, I told you not to do this. And he's he's just like, I just like, I guess I have to say that. Like, I, I warned you. But it's not a, comp- like, why would she want him to show up on this date to say that? Again, like, who the fuck told him that just because he said something that what he wants is going to come from that? Who... Who promised him that? Life. Yeah. Life. Yeah. He's like, I have awoken in this life as a conventionally attractive straight white man in the South. So it's like, have you perceived my jawline? (laughs) Right. He's like, it's very strong. I warned you. (laughs) There was. There was a moment last week when he finishes his little speech and you can tell that Michelle is very thrown off and like not super pleased, but she doesn't want to tell him to fuck off at that moment. So she's just like, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's move on. She's just trying to move on. on. She bring he brings her the information about Nate and she's like, well, I did already have these concerns about Nate. I'm going to bring it up with him. But like Chris is now like, 
confronting her for his cookie. And she's like, I never wanted to give you a cookie. I actually was mad at you and I just was letting it go. And now it's time. She's ready to kind of let Chris know how she really feels. And I think we have a clip of this as well. I was kind of caught off guard with how you approached the situation when you spoke at the cocktail party because you did speak for me. Hmm. But when you spoke about it to everybody openly, that's where I was struggling or frustrated. Then why did you put a fake smile on at the group date and be fake with me all day if that's what was on your mind? You talked about the effort. You talked about the attitude. You called everybody else out on their BS. And walking into the group date in the stadium, you didn't have a good attitude. You looked like you wanted to be anywhere but there. I just felt really foolish about the whole situation. I do appreciate you wanting to look out for me, but also at the same time, I can speak for myself. And I want a man who is going to stand and support me when I speak and not a man who's going to speak for me. I'm like snapping, like, yes, Michelle, tell him. And she also adds that you know, specifically as a woman and specifically as a woman of color, people often want to speak for her in in her life. And, like, she does not need that. She can speak for herself. Her voice is the one that needs to be heard in this. And, like, and, like actually, he's, like, disempowering right. her by taking her platform and her message and delivering it for her before she's had, like, a moment. None of this it. seems to particularly land with him. No. He's like, what I'm hearing is you're fake. You're fake right. as shit. You lied to me by not being mad at me right away. Also, I'm like, dude, why would she put, like, her, why would her happy face be fake on the group date? She was having a great time. Everyone was having a great time, except you. You were the only one not smiling. I think the rules of the universe, like the laws of physics, so to speak, that he has grown up with, do not match up with the rules and laws of like human behavior and interaction and reality and privilege and everything that Michelle and everyone else alive who's paying attention have grown up in and live in. Like he interprets things in such a flat black and white, like we're in a children's movie with no nuance type of way. And I, like, it, it, j- just you can hear it in the way that he keeps repeating, like, fallen on deaf ears and like all the ableist language and like him misinterpreting certain behavior as like an assault on him. Um, yeah, I just I don't think he has any education about the world or about human behavior and emotions. I don't I'm not going to go as far as to say like, I don't think he's like a profoundly bad person. I can hear like little whispers of like him learning like a tiny little bit like when she she first said um like I felt like you spoke for me like the first time that she said that or I forget exactly what she said but but he had that minimal response where he was like hmm and I think it yeah was like, he was just like huh it hadn't even crossed his no. mind he was like oh although Brandon said that to him and a couple of the other guys said that to him and he was like well she seemed to like it to me. Right, right. So now he's having the moment where it's not that he's never heard it before, it's that he it really thought went. he was right yeah, about it yeah. and and now he's hearing that he was wrong. He does have these moments, yeah, where he'll he'll say like I felt inse- I feel insecure or he says like I felt really foolish about the situation. Right. 
And, like, that's honestly the only thing he's actually feeling. And he's he's then taking that vulnerable little feeling of, like, I feel, like, foolish about this. And he's dressing it up <laughs> as, like, you you, you used me, you played yeah. me, and because of that now I feel foolish and that's something that you should like atone for and apologize to me for even though mostly it has like nothing to do with me (laughs) he just doesn't have relationship tools he has like no human relationship tools no and i don't think that the culture has demanded in any way that he develop them and that's correct part of the problem is that our culture puts a, a priority on socializing certain groups of people to sort of do that work. Yeah. yeah, of accommodating yeah. Um, other groups, like ones that, that Chris is a part of. Yeah. Yes. And Michelle has had enough of accommodating Chris and his emotional needs at this point. And she ends things with him and walks him God, out. God, that was what I loved to see it. I loved it. It was delicious. Yeah. So... In her in the moment after he leaves, she says that she thinks Chris was genuinely concerned. I disagree, but that's, she's very generous. And she says, but he wanted to control the decision I made, and it's my journey. If I get heartbroken, that's on me. And that's just the case. Like, he doesn't get to sit there and be like, I told you Nate wasn't a nice guy, and, like, ruin her experience of exploring whether this guy she's really into is the right guy for her. And... Why would he think she would benefit from having that, like, that's that that attitude surrounding this joyful journey for her? Um, and maybe Nate will break her heart, but she's perfectly like aware of that possibility, right? Like, she's and so an she adult doesn't need woman. his like sullen face at every turn, being like, "If you picked me, I wouldn't be like Nate." Like. Come on, Chris. Like, are you going to move to Minnesota and be, like, a genuinely good boyfriend to Michelle? I don't think so. No. So Michelle returns to Nate. She says she sent Chris home and apologizes for stepping away. And Nate really hits his mark here. He's like, you don't need to apologize. And, you know, it's not my business what you and Chris discussed. Like, that's between you. Um, And... She really loves that. She loves that he, like, trusts her to handle these things and make her own decisions. And obviously Nate might be very curious because Chris has a history of throwing him under the bus in these conversations. And he's very pointedly like, I'm not going to ask. Nate's playing this correctly. Yeah. And they're very into each other. And fireworks are going off in the sky. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the cocktail party. Can you keep up? I like love it. And we're back. And all of the men are really starting to feel the heat of the competition at this point. They're down to just 10 of them. And they're looking around and they're like, I don't know. She really could be into any of us. At this point, I'm like, it's like eight, like, real characters who we, like, know their relationships with them a little bit, her relationships with each of them. And then Casey, who is a character insofar as he's involved in, like, house drama narration. And Leroy, who just, like, is silent. I keep, like, is he, th- like, he's he's never on screen. 
And I want to know more about him because, like, isn't he a PhD candidate in something? He's a PhD candidate and, like, a model. It's rude, and I think that he needs to go straight to paradise. They were like, he's too powerful of a star for uh, our retinas to be. This always happens. Like, someone who gets to, like, the final 10 or final 7, even, who we just hardly hear speak. Um, But I was Which I want to hear about his dissertation i want to see look we have lots of of questions about leroy and i hope that one day we will get to know him better but Mm -hmm. for now michelle enters in another metallic gown with a cutout bronze Bronze this time Mm -hmm. yeah this is a, a great look for her as per usual and she's like running through having some one on one time with some of her front runners rick is asked to do a runway walk. And I'm just going to say, he walks like he is an animated stick figure with no (laughs) ability to actually, like, move his torso or (laughs) hips. He's just like... This is not a guy who watches a lot of runway shows, I'm going to say. He needs to get Tyra in here stat, Okay. (laughs) And then he whirls around <laughs> with like really hunched shoulders, like he thinks someone's about to attack him from behind. And poor Michelle doesn't even know how to be pot. She's, She's like, like oh. that's really intense eye contact that you're giving me right now. She looks a little He funny. sort of redeems himself when he spontaneously asks her to dance, which was very cute and romantic. Yeah. Uh, Michelle gets Brandon a birthday cake again. I think he might be 27 now. Oh. Just saying. Just, you know. For, for those of for us inquiring who minds who may be slightly older. Just yeah. putting it out there. Nothing wrong with that. Um, she seems to be, like, having a great time with everyone. She goes up to the roof of the hotel with Rodney, and they scream, we love Minnesota, out across the rooftops. Uh, Rodney's like, I'm, I need a rose. I'm not ready to go home yet. And I'm oh, like, oh, Rodney, Rodney that's a runner-up mentality oh, right Rodney there. Does, he does have runner-up <laughs> mentality, but he's so sweet. I really like yeah. him. But look, Michelle is having a great time. She's like, what a nice and pleasant cocktail party I am having. So naturally, it's time for Martin to step up and fill at least a portion of the villain's shoes left empty by Chris S.'s departure. And he's there to express some complaints he has about females. He's he's got some feedback. He's got a little feedback card for her. He's like, first of all, he's like, you're good. You're great at giving compliments. I'm like, I love it when you give me compliments. But then I hear you say something similar to someone else. And I'm like, oh, maybe she didn't really mean the compliment to me. And Michelle takes this really well because I would be offended. She's like, listen, I get I get it. I get why you would uh, observe and analyze everything. But based on what you know about me, do you think I would blow smoke up your ass? And he's like, no. And she's like, okay. And like, that was a generous, they, they laughed. And empathetic it was very, response from her. yeah, she, she is handled it great. Very generous. And then he's like, yeah, I love everything we've done together and we've done some romantic stuff, but I think I could bring some stuff too. And Michelle says, I'm not hard to please. And Martin says, not high maintenance. Which, if I ever hear a guy say Huge high red flag. He, if he's not talking about the HBO show, like, we're done. Yeah. Like, that's it. Michelle's like, no, high maintenance, what? And Martin shares some more thoughts. Uh, I think we have a clip. 
I'm not hard to please. No, not high maintenance. No, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> That's the one thing about girls in Miami. I Very high maintenance. Really? Yeah. It's just because I guess okay, like what makes expect, it, what makes a girl high maintenance? Just like expecting somebody just to do absolutely everything for them, and I just think a relationship. I don't mm -hmm. think just because a man is a man, they have to do everything for somebody. Because it also takes away from the power that females have. Okay, so you didn't actually answer the question. What was the question? What makes a female high maintenance? I did say it, expecting somebody just to absolutely do everything for them. But what makes a female high maintenance versus what makes a male high maintenance? Because like usually a man doesn't go into like in a relationship and saying, hey, you're going to take care of me. <laughs> is that, am I wrong? Yes. 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 A man shouldn't, and I don't think a woman should. And that's why I decided to come on the show. Because I know that you're different. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So I was Where just like yelling. Gin. <laughs> I also, I just love that Martin tries to spin this as if it's like actually commentary on how feminist he is. Because he, yeah. he doesn't you don't want to take, take away, away the from power the power of oh females. Oh, my God. What gymnastics. First of all, linguistic commentary. <laughs> Referring to women as females oh, oh. in huge, the noun form. Huge red flag. I hate I mean, I can it sort of, so I can, much. I can break that down a little bit. Uh, first of all, females, which is a word that primarily refers to one's sex rather than one's gender. You don't mm. call other types of animals in the animal kingdom women and men. You call them male and female or males and females. So there's something almost anatomical about the word. And so when you use it as a noun, it suggests that a woman is such and such a way by nature of her very body. Um, mm. And there's something creepy as fuck about that. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Oh, my God. It's unsettling. That really does it's express why my skin just starts to crawl every time I hear a man refer to women as females. Yeah, it's like the describing women as livestock effect. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like because of your uterus and your chromosomes and your reproductive anatomy, you are X, Y, and Z because now I'm now going to talk about you in the context in which I would talk about an insect, etc. Yeah, and I think what Michelle is getting at when she keeps pushing him, like, okay, what makes a, a woman high maintenance is that High maintenance is a term that is basically never used to describe men. It yeah. is an extremely gendered term. Absolutely. Like bossy or Right. You know, and what you're number. essentially yeah. saying is that I object to a woman having preferences and needs. Oh, she has a need that she actually like wants me to address. God, what a high maintenance bitch. And also, yeah. it is so fucking funny, and I love that Michelle just laughed in his face, but it is hilarious, the idea that men don't want to be taken care of in relationships. <laughs> I, know. I was like, do you understand that this is, like, the premise of heterosexual, like, marriage right. going back, literally, like, literally. centuries, that, like, it's set up so that men will have someone to take care of everything to they need in the relationship. <laughs> to quote him verbatim. I mean, it just goes to show, first of all, I think... High maintenance is probably a word that he has heard a lot throughout his life. Like he didn't come up with this on his own. Like no. he probably has come up in a, a group of, you know, male friends and in a culture um, that that tosses this word around a lot. And I can think of just like terms that I used when I was younger, like in middle school, whatever, that I didn't even realize 
were damaging or were like words that, you know, implanted in my brain and caused me to frame certain people in a certain way. Like, I think that's what's going on with him. But what he fails to realize and Michelle is so you know, brilliant and empathetic in her Socratic method, you know, in, in constantly prodding, not not lecturing him, but asking him questions. And I think that's really brilliant because it causes someone to have to unpack what they're saying themselves. And often the logic comes to a standstill pretty quickly. But he's failed to realize that we've infused this word high maintenance with, you know, feminine gendered stereotypes, whereas like who's the most um, you know, emotional maintenance is requires the most skill of anything at all. And also, like, I know plenty of women who financially and otherwise take care of the men they're dating. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, of course, like, <laughs> you're just like, I'm, I'm just like, so mad. Yeah. It's like, there is such a, like, Michelle has spoken repeatedly. It's like, is Martin listening to her about how much she has in the past been act asked to take care of her partner and get nothing to a large degree in return. and get nothing in return. But what Martin is kind of revealing is how deeply socialized he is into this this way of thinking, which is that like you come to take all of the work that women do to take care of their male partners as a given. It's not right. It's completely even invisible. to be noted. It's not work. It's invisible. It's, it's not, not work. work. No, it's, it's just your, the way, it's the way that that a uh, feminine person must innately act. It, it's the idea that women yeah. are caretakers by our very nature, and that's just what we do. And perhaps we even enjoy that labor. So yeah. how could it be labor? It's like. It's like completely invisible to him. Yeah. He interprets that as women don't take care of men in relationships. Or when what's really going on is that the way that women take care of men in relationships is so, perceived as so natural by him that it doesn't register at all. Whereas when men like himself are asked to take care of women in some way, or even I've heard men call women high maintenance for things that women do, but it just inconveniences men that they have to account for the time. Like, oh, you're high maintenance because I have to give you an hour to get ready before you know, a dinner out. Like, like, well, what's high maintenance that about I don't that? Have to interact with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like anything that isn't a woman just operating completely at a man's like whim and convenience. Anytime that a woman has a need of her own, a demand of him, needs care from him, that is notable and, and worthy isn't of remark. He a trainer, isn't he a fitness trainer? It's like, why isn't all of that time he spends at the gym considered high maintenance? That's literally you maintaining your man. body. Exactly. It's just the default maleness mentality. Oh. And like him having this idea that that women are like naturally designed to shoulder everyone's emotional burden, that really tracks with him referring to them as females, females, females. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. He he's completely he doesn't even see all of he he can't even begin to see his biases, even though Michelle is very patiently trying to guide him. And this is really reflected in what he then says to all of the other men when he goes back to the group and recounts uh, his conversation with Michelle. We have a clip of that. And then I would have a conversation about how women in Miami are high maintenance. She's like, what do you mean? Like they're high maintenance. And I was like, well, a lot of the women expect to just to fully take care of them. Martin's very two-faced. He's one way to the guys and another to Michelle. I don't trust him. And I hope that at the rose ceremony, Martin gets sent home. Like, first of all, this is not how Michelle handled it at all. Like, this is a very ungenerous, mis like, 
honestly false and demeaning gloss on what she said to him. Like for her, for her to respond in this really like thoughtful, open, generous way. And for him to gloss that as her being like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like hostile questioning him also gives me major, like he's going to call his wife a nag vibes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I love that before he, you know, sort of mimics her response cruelly to the men, he says to the camera that he didn't do anything wrong. And the problem was just that there was some miscommunication on Michelle's end. Oh, my God. This is all her She didn't fault. hear him right. Ugh. Yeah. Like, I I feel like Michelle is, is, like, interested in Martin in some way that I, that I can't quite understand. But I do think that she likes that there is some friction there, that there can be some conflict. But, like, there's a difference between being challenged and and having to have some disagreement and being like treated so disrespectfully and having your own, like the fact that she, she doesn't agree with him. He's not respecting that. Like he's not treating her with respect here. in 2021 or for any woman alive, like we should be at a place where we, we don't need to teach our male partner that high maintenance is not an appropriate. Right. uh, I, I'd like, you know, my, partner to, to have like done that work already that. Yeah. yeah yeah um and as we enter the rose ceremony joe clayton and nate all have roses uh and there are five more roses so two guys going home martin is feeling nervous because this conversation didn't go very well but sadly there was no need again we need a villain yeah, I again. Yeah, at this point, I was like, did they ask her to just keep him one more week and give him another? I I think that maybe they might have co- coaxed her to give him another chance because she. I don't think she was happy with that conversation. But she um, does. But you know, but have she more does of like a connection him, so, with him than with Casey and Leroy, who are ultimately the ones. As far as we know. As far as we know. As far as we've the never show seen has, her have a conversation us. with a, either of them. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, in terms uh, of what they've shown us, it was like not yeah. surprising. Yeah, so the roses do go to Rick, Olu, Brandon, Martin, and Rodney. And so Casey and Leroy are going home. And with that, they all toast to another week in Minneapolis. Another week with, as Brandon says, this most amazing, beautiful woman. (laughs) And we get a little season preview again. Uh, Seems like we're going to have one-on-ones coming for Clayton and Brandon. More one-on-one time with Nate and Joe. Get some I'm falling in love with yous from a couple of the guys. Someone isn't ready for an engagement. Someone's an actor. Someone maybe could become jealous and possessive. She could have stronger feelings for someone than he does for her. That's definitely about Nate. Nate. I'm calling it now. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the credit sequence, we get uh, Olu introducing Michelle to Jollof Rice. And just, like, gives her way too much spice. And Michelle is just, like, a true, like, Midwesterner. I just, I felt her. She was like, I need milk. This is way too spicy. I can't handle this. Mm. We're milk drinkers, not spice eaters. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us for this recap. This has been so much fun. It's been so fun. Please come back. I would love nothing more. I only started watching Bachelor with um, Tasha slash Claire's season. 
And let me tell you, it is the televised cotton candy I never knew I needed. Exactly. And now it's time for love to see it, hate to see it. First, love to see it. I enjoyed this episode. A fair amount of love to see it, I think. Love to see some some real love connections actually forming. Uh, her date with Joe is lovely. Nate, she's clearly really into Rick and Brandon as well. I like seeing her like connections starting to bloom. It's really beautiful. We also love to see Michelle's friends showing up and just being so completely giddy for her. Like, you know we love a friendship moment, so this really scratched an oh, itch. Yeah. I love when her friend was like, you need to get to know her deeply. She's so worth it. And I was like, all I want is a friend to say that about me to my husband. Oh my God, I know. That really warmed my heart. <laughs> Uh, we love to see Joe speaking so openly and honestly about his mental health struggles and hopefully shedding some light on the toll of, like, the amateur sports, like, industry in this country, which is so brutal and extracts so much from from people like Joe who are left with, like, a lot of physical and mental suffering to deal with. Yeah, and and very little structural support to deal with it. Mm-hmm. We also love to see Michelle just deliciously dumping Chris in his like peak moments of entitlement. Oh my god, it was so satisfying. So good. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking about it and getting like excited again. As annoyed as I as I was at Chris, I I did love that he really gave her the perfect opportunity to be like, actually, it wasn't cool that you interrupted me at the cocktail party. He really had it coming and it felt great. And now hate to see it. Uh, while we're on the topic, just like Chris, um, everything about I, him, everything. I really, really hated to see how entitled he felt to um, whatever he wanted from Michelle in exchange for like kind of sort of making an effort in certain ways like one time. at certain points this season like one time and he was like I should win now right um, that's an attitude that I hate to see from from the men on this show you need to to work a little bit harder for a lady like Michelle we also hate to see body shaming you know, we hate to see every group date being about being swole and like poking fun at Brandon for not having 25 extremely well-defined abs and a the <laughs> neck, like a neck the size of a fucking tree trunk. Like it's it's shitty. Don't body shame women, don't body shame men, don't body shame anyone of any gender identity with any kind of body. I hate it. We hate to see it. Yeah. Cosign. Hate to see Martin saying that he doesn't care for high-maintenance females. Hate to see men referring to women as females. Hate to see that Martin could not even be, like, gently led into an understanding of, like, how sexist. Even just saying the phrase high-maintenance females. Claire, Claire, Claire. Martin just cares about (laughs) equality. That's what he's And women being—and the power of females. Yeah. (laughs) 
to, to take care of themselves completely while also taking care of him in ways that he won't even acknowledge or appreciate. Oh my God, Martin's a nightmare uh, that's partner. That's the power of females. Nightmare. The worst. And also just like Martin making fun of Michelle and like characterizing her as some like shrew for engaging in a, a lightly challenging back and forth with him about his like overt sexism. <laughs> Uh, Martin hated that hated from that. top to hated bottom. Hated it from top to bottom. And finally, we hated to see hot Leroy being eliminated before we really got to know him, except for his hotness and good glasses. Every week I was like, this is going to be Leroy's breakout week. And, and it, just, it, never, like, it came. never came. But again, just like with Romeo, I, I really hope to see hot Leroy in paradise. Yeah, hurry up and finish that dissertation, man. Like we need to, we need to <laughs> go to Mexico. <laughs> need to right see now. your swimsuit pics. Uh, and now it's time for our sportsiness rating out of ten basketballs. And we're gonna need like almost every basketball this week. It was out of control. Like nine, nine point five, even maybe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a solid nine. Solid nine basketballs. There were two stadiums, three different. There sports. were. Three different major, major ball-related sports alone evoked in this episode. There was also arm wrestling. There was boating, which, you know what? It's sort of a sport. Sort of. <laughs> so One we're talking argue. about like five sports at this yeah, point. Yeah, this was like a sports bonanza. <laughs> there were deep emotional conversations about sports. There were lighthearted jokes about sports. Um, there was uh, Michelle, you know, flirting through playing a sport uh, with Joe. Uh, there was Michelle using the Minnesota Vikings as the setup for a prank on all of these guys. I there mean, there was a public sporting event. Like it was just again a sports bonanza. This was like the most Michelle-y episode I think that we've had so far. She was really right. This is where we get to know who Michelle really is, and that means. Sports. sports on every date, like wall to wall, wall to wall sports in Minnesota. And uh, it was beautiful. It was truly beautiful. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Amanda Montel. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our artist by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to all of your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. We might even feature you in an upcoming mailbag. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it Pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week for more of Michelle's beautiful journey. Stitcher.